Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is the Ocean Protect podcast, talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect, committed to change. Boom! Boom! (laughs) Ocean Protect podcast, episode 100, special guest, Jeremy Brown. Come on down. What do you mean special guest? (laughs) (laughs) That's well, are you claiming the whole hundred by yourself? I mean, I've been away from that, I, What have you been saying to our guests since I've been away? That's what I want to know. What have you been saying? Sweet nothings since we haven't had you on the air. Now we should point out you you are the regular co-host of the of the uh, podcast. We should point out, but uh, we haven't had you on our uh, on our airways for quite some time. No, you haven't. And, and look, some of you will know I'm back in New Zealand and have stayed in New Zealand. My poor wee mum has got stage four ovarian cancer, terminal cancer, um, and have been home now for eight months back in Wanaka. And look, Candy's, uh, I'm sure she won't mind me saying, but no, she's doing well, unexpectedly well. And, and now we're sort of trying to make plans or, or set goals for Christmas. So yeah, I've been away from civilization for, for a long time to go from I don't know how many people in Sydney, 5 million people to, I think, 8,000 people, regular residents in Wanaka, maybe 9,000 if, if you push it. So, yeah, gone from the buzz of the big smoke, really putting some time and effort and, and love and care into my mum, which has been amazing. But in doing so, sort of been shut off from the outside world. It's sort of yeah. a COVID bubble within a bubble. But anyway, let's not talk about COVID. I think you're currently in lockdown. Mate, yeah. yeah, so today is June 30th uh, and we are, I'm in Brisbane uh, on uh, basically the first full day of lockdown for a while. So we've had a few local cases and the, uh, the powers that be have decided to shut down southeast Queensland for three days. We're hoping that it is just three days, but here I am stuck at home um, talking to you. So uh, <laughs> you, you love it, mate. You absolutely love it. Hey, um, just quickly though, we are getting ridiculed by the whole world. Uh, even though I'm in New Zealand, I'm still I'm, I'm half Australian. Hmm. Um, the world's media are just going, look at these jokers. They've done so well, and then they go into lockdown. And I'm like, God, let's just do the sums here. Like we're locking down when we necessarily when we have to. The being locked down for six months or a year, but I know you've seen it. We're getting a bit of stuck on social media. Oh, look, to be honest, I've turned off news reports. Uh, I don't really tune into 
the news or anything like that, social media. And I, to be honest, I haven't really paid any attention to COVID, if I'm honest. So if people are criticising Australia, <laughs> I haven't heard it. <laughs> Mate, so, that's so, that, so what type of social media do you do, like here, style? <laughs> I mean, I see, I know, look, I've been away for eight months, but I know that finger of yours will keep swiping, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> they haven't quite stopped that. <laughs> Uh, look, my social media channels are probably a little bit different to yours, but uh, look, it's it's all it's just the vegan weekly. I I, I subscribe to so. Uh, <laughs> but to be honest, in all seriousness, I remember talking to a colleague in Melbourne uh, a few months ago, and they were in obviously lockdown for a very long time. And I sort of said, "Look, how how did you guys how did you manage?" And they said, "Number one rule was we just don't watch the news. So it's easy to get caught up in the doom and gloom and worrying about." the COVID cases and what's the future hold for lockdowns, et cetera. But I guess you control the controllables and it is what it is and just sort of try and focus on the positives. Cool. I mean, I'm sure, again, Candy won't mind me saying this, but Wanaka is a very small place. So, Mm. you know, when something like this comes up, everyone watches the the 6 o'clock news religiously. They talk about local issues like the new 40K zone, uh, (laughs) the growing shed, you know, the proposed airport, you know, it, it is very insular. So, Basically, Candy's got these pop-ups that will come up every, you know, 15 times a day. Oh, found another one in Sydney. I'm like, I'm doing that. That's You know? Um, Unfortunately, yeah, I'm in a different spot. But, yeah, I reckon it's the best place to be. Turn it off. It's it's white news. Everyone, I encourage everyone to get vaccinated as soon as possible. Uh, If you're into vaccination, I don't care. I mean, like, hey, we've all got to do it. I don't think it's cool, but, you know, I encourage every, everyone to do so as fast as possible. Right. Will we get hate mail from that, Andy Vaxxers? Uh, did you? <laughs> hey, look, I don't mind. Uh, look, if they want to send us a message, they're welcome to. But, look, I, I really couldn't care. As, as we as we have spoken about many times before, Jeremy, you know, we cop criticism. And I remember seeing a, a quote from Aristotle just recently. If you want to avoid criticism you say nothing do nothing and you be nothing so in that regard we're not doing any of the above so we should expect to get criticized so and look i'm not no expert on covid i follow the advice of the authorities but i'm not tuning into the news and worrying about it basically so if i need to get a jab i will if i should get a jab i'll I'll certainly consider it but yeah there's other things to worry about than covid simple as that so yeah, I, mate, I, you know, I don't watch the news either, but didn't you get walloped in the state of origin? <laughs> you, you're talking, you're talking, you're assuming that I actually care about rugby league, Jeremy. And, uh, look, nothing oh, could be mate. further from the truth. So as you might appreciate, I'm a AFL fan and a, a long, long, uh, suffering Western Bulldog supporter. And we're actually second on top of the AFL ladder. So I'm actually really enjoying football at the moment. So, and I, you know, I didn't even watch any of the state of origin the other night. So no, neither did I, but, um, <laughs> going to get that one in for you. But we should, we should, uh, so look, obviously you're, you're fitting well in, in Wanaka, New Zealand. And look, you, ha- you have been missed. It has to be said. So, uh, the podcast certainly hasn't been the same without you. It's certainly been better without you, but it yeah. certainly hasn't been. But it certainly hasn't been the same. Like, uh, we haven't had the, obviously the banter, the vegan slander and the different perspective and enthusiasm and energy that you bring to the conversation. So that, uh, that has been cer- certainly missed. And We've certainly, I'm sure I speak on behalf of the Ocean Protect team, is that we've certainly missed uh, having you around, basically. So, yeah. But we look forward to the day you sort of um, come back and grace us with your presence and throw your mojo around the room once more. Well, mate, look, to be honest, because of COVID, I was supposed to be back in, in, you know, uh, a couple of weeks' time. So just to be able to travel back and forth is is not as easy as it sounds. Um, Yeah. 
the bubble's open, but gee, it's a it's a bit dodge. But no, thanks, Brad. And uh, mate, I've really missed you too. You know, I really miss cool. your enthusiasm. <laughs> you know, your you know the camaraderie. You know, the energy you bring to a room. Don't forget sex appeal. <laughs> that, that, was, that was coming. That was coming. But mate, miss, miss being engaged and talking with amazing guests and and learning about what we do. So mm. you know, especially. Thanks, mate. I'm back. I'll, I'll, I'll tell. I'll be quiet for the first few episodes. Yeah. I'll sit back, see how your, your, your talents progressed. Uh, <laughs> you know, critique you at the end as usual. But just on that, mate. You know, where, where do we start? Your last sort of six months. I mean, oh, what, look, what do you mean? It's been a hell of a tale. So I think the last time we spoke officially was six or seven months ago. Yeah, and since then, uh, podcast-wise, yeah, I, I guess I've been uh, carrying the uh, mantle uh, solo. And but look, it's been fun. Like we've we've said previously as well, it's 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 a privilege to do what we do and talk to so many interesting and passionate guests around uh, issues facing the ocean, what we can do about it, and it's been great fun, honestly. Like, and I, I sort of look back and go. I remember our first episode, which was 99 episodes ago, in that we really didn't think anyone was going to listen to us at all, really, except for our mums. But I'm not sure if you've seen the stats of late, Jeremy, in terms of listen rates. Mate, most of the to stuff. be honest, I, I don't know. Show me. Look, I, you- I can tell you. So we, we, we're just under 50,000 all-time listens, which is crazy. We, we get about 400 to 600 listeners every week tuning in to hear about you and me talk to generally someone about – the ocean and what we can do to help protect it. And for two, I guess you'd, you'd say that we're not very famous people, let's face it, and we're talking about a very niche area in terms of the ocean and how to protect it. It's something to be really proud of, in my in my opinion, and I, I certainly am. And we're certainly not not slowing down either. It's still charging along. We're still getting uh, certainly a lot of uh, engagement from our audience and and um, our listeners. And 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 to be honest, the feedback we get, like the numbers aside, the feedback that we get from our listeners is really heartwarming. So yeah, it's it's yeah, quite apart, fun. Yeah, apart from the hate mail. Oh, look, for every bit of hate mail, generally, <laughs> generally the hate mail is something about what you've said. About, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I, I got, I got to share you one. My, I think my, I'm going to share you one of my all time favorite comments though. Um, and this is from, I hope she doesn't mind, a lady called Tilly Dunlop. And she's from Newcastle in the UK. And I'm going to, I'm going to read out what she said to us recently. And this, and this puts wind in our sails. So if you've got any, if you feel like to put in a comment or a, an email to us, uh, please do so. But look, she, she says, hi, Brad and Jeremy. I just wanted to send an email to praise your podcast. I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to your podcast on binge recently. It's great to hear so many intelligent people finding solutions for such terrifying problems. I myself am a 17 year old Brit from the great northern Newcastle of the UK who has a passion for marine life and environmentalism. I'm currently learning to dive so that I can become a more fully fledged marine and animal activist. Look, she also says, look, and I also want to thank Brad specifically for being vegan. Go vegans. It is the utmost best thing for the planet and I admire you for holding your own. So for every bit of hate mail, we get one of those things. And and shout out to Tilly. Thanks so much for the uh, comments. But it, it is fantastic to get the, the feedback that we do get. It's it's really lovely. Mate, is, is, is she your cousin? I mean, is that really? <laughs> no. Come on. No. Uh, <laughs> not that you, I know of. If you check the email, come on. No. <laughs> No, no. But, I do have a lot of cousins, but not 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 Tilly. It's the best one I'll show. No, it's true. It's it, you, you touched on it before. It, it has truly been a privilege and something that I personally miss is getting on having these chats because when we started this, we started to talk about solutions. You know, well, let, let's sit around and talk about it to give people the information to make decisions for themselves. And I think where we're, we're just one of the the pieces of the puzzle, you know, and we put it all together and we'll solve this problem. So. 
for getting out and talking about it and getting out of our comfort zone and saying let's you know start a podcast i'm i'm extremely proud of what we've done and for the guys all the guys back in the office for every single team member that we have that you know sit there and know that we're doing podcasts and Doing what we do, educating our team, our team are more aware, they're more involved, everyone's more involved, and we're all having a, a bit of fun trying to solve a problem. And, you know, look, let's just throw it out there. I've got so many things I want to talk about. I mean, COVID, six months, seven months. I mean, what a fascinating thing from a scientist or, or from, from anyone really thinking about it. What a reprieve our planet has had due to COVID. Now, I just want to get your views on this because whilst COVID has has been obviously a massive disaster, you know, millions and millions of people have died. What has that done for our planet? And I think what we'll be able to do, and I want to open it up to you, what are some of the things that we can learn to then take forward for the health of our planet? I think the big one from my perspective is the realisation that we are capable of radical and dramatic change. If you had asked us for any reason prior to COVID that, Look, to make a massive change to your lifestyle and don't leave home unless absolutely essential. You can't fly. You can't see X and Y person, et cetera. You can't do this and that. People have gone, no way. I, business as usual is the way to go. Anything that you're proposing that involves me having a change to my lifestyle or a negative impact on my day-to-day activities, I'm just not interested. But we've seen that when we have to, we are capable of significant change. And one thing we've been talking about for a long time is, look, we do need to have radical change, particularly in this decade. The planet is facing so many issues and pressures that are really a significant cause for concern. And we do need to essentially change our ways. In many ways, they are just minor changes, but in some ways, they're actually quite significant. So whether that be significant reducing the amount of meat we consume, which we talk about forever, reducing our dependency on single-use plastics, etc., reducing our dependency on fossil fuels, just completely stopping all deforestation and clearing of vegetation. These are things that you, if, if, if you'd said a year ago, look, we need to do this on a mass scale and we need to do it quickly, people would have gone, ah, you're not going to achieve any significant changes like that in a short period of time. But COVID has shown we can do this. And so for me, it's actually given me a lot of cause for optimism. Totally agree. The human race has has such potential to change for the better when we have to. And to be honest, we do have to. You look at the human body, you know, like how good are we at recovery? You know, it's amazing. And you think of the earth, it's way more special than the human body. If we give a little, if, if we can do this, you know, she's just going to come back or, sorry, he, her, she, they, you know, they're going to come back and Mother Nature will come back and we will reap the, the rewards going through. The reason I ask that question is, you know, I've seen a lot about how well the environment's come back, but I've been in this insular environment of Wanaka and one thing that, that has come up for me is that shit doesn't change wherever you go, you know. I'm telling you, Brad, there's still people, and I want to find out who they are because this town ain't big enough, that go and <laughs> get their shit bags for their dogs. Mm, yep, yep. Just uh, like, I'm like, there's only 15 people that go for a walk up here. We're going to have to camp out. Behavior of people, we change for a bit and then we come back, and, and it's, it's frightening to see. From a person that's gone from a big city coming back to a very small city, we forget very quickly. We'll come out of COVID in two years' time or three years' time, hopefully, or whatever, whatever. We'll forget um, mm. and we'll go back to our, our normal habits. You know, what we need with change is, you know, is exactly what I said, change. Mm. We, need to, yeah. we need to change course. And what COVID, like, like what you said, what it's given us is, is it's given us the encouragement to go, look what we can do if we really have to. 
100%. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, look, that, that for me has been a real key message. Look, I think fundamentally the, the, the environmental indicators in terms of pollution levels and littering rates and greenhouse gas emissions, et cetera, they probably actually haven't changed that much in lieu of COVID. But that aside, we do know that they do have to. Um, Do you not so, think that's changed that much? No, no. So there's been a, a slight reduction in uh, greenhouse gas emissions because of, I guess, less air travel. But I was actually just, I'm just at the Australian Marine Science Association conference today, and which we, as a side note, are sponsoring. So proud sponsors, uh, Ocean Protector, proud sponsors of that conference. But they were basically saying, look, we haven't seen that much of a change in littering rates and plastic pollution as a result of COVID. But it's fairly minor relative to the, um, uh, I guess, the, the, the status quo. And if you think about it, I mean, um, everyone goes, well, you know, to Amazon to get this stuff delivered at home because you're all going to say, well, that's great. Well, you're not driving your car down there, but you've still got something that arrives that arrive via, you know, car, you know, uh, airplane, sea, then plastic, wrapped in plastic, you know. So it's going to, well, I, I think it's going to play out, uh, you know, it's going to be a while until we see the true effects. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's bloody scary. Anyway. What else has been happening? So, look, you've missed out on, a, on I guess, a season of yeah, podcasts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Look, um, Corey Hancock, I, I hear he was Yeah, so Corey was our most recent guest, and you might remember we had him on a year ago talking about, uh, I guess, giving a brief insight into the potential for regenerative agriculture and seaweed farming for mitigating climate change. And we basically delved into a bit more detail. But fundamentally, like for, for a guy who's grown up on a cattle farm and does eat meat, me and Corey actually agreed on a lot more than I actually thought we would. Fundamentally, he, he's a, he's actually a very strong advocate for plant-based eating. For regenerative agriculture to to work on a mass scale, we still need to significantly reduce our consumption of animal products. So whilst there is significant potential for regenerative agriculture, we still need to significantly reduce our consumption of beef in particular. So look, that was a really fascinating chat. I I, I still maintain... Whilst there's a lot of interest and potential in, I guess, regenerative agriculture and seaweed farming, it still needs a real catalyst to get it moving in the timeframes that we essentially need it to be. So I still maintain that the number one thing you can do to reduce greenhouse gas emissions right now, literally in the next meal, is to essentially reduce your consumption of, of animal products. And I know, Jeremy, whilst you are not- No, 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 no. hold on. I was meat-free yesterday, thank you very much. I was just about to say, I was just about to give you a wrap. I didn't even even know until the very end of the night. I was like, oh, didn't even think about that, but I was meat-free that day. But I was just about to give you a wrap. You say you interrupt me. So I was saying, look, you might not necessarily be on the the vegan bandwagon, but you, I do know you have reduced your consumption of meat, which I think- is great, and I think it's something we can we can all we can all strive to do as well. Um, well, well, I think that's where a bit of time away from the the cricket pitch, coming back to it now. <laughs> we can all live in harmony, guys. We can all live together, and we can have a, a really great universe. It's not vegan versus meat eaters; it's no. human being no. with human beings. No, and exactly, if if we dropped our meat consumption by seventy percent or fifty percent as people. It would do an amazing thing for this planet. It, it would it would be the biggest thing we could do for the planet if we all stopped by 50%. It, it would be amazing. So we can live together. You know, we don't have to hate each other. And Brad's a good guy. I mean, I don't particularly sometimes. like him here. Uh, <laughs> or his attitude sometimes. But, um, no, I mean, we're, we're, this, this is living proof. You know, for we, sure. we, we like each other. Sometimes. <laughs> Most of the time. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not meaning to look like I'm, I'm not interested. I'm trying to find a an Indian restaurant in Christchurch, New Zealand. That it, it was came out in the paper that they've patented the first 
vegan butter chicken. You know, the, the meat that makes it, you know, I don't, I don't know how they've done it, but I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. They've gone, it took them four months. I'm, I'll, I'll find the article, but they're like, well, how do we create the butter chicken for vegans? I mean, everyone loves a butter chicken. Brad, you remember a butter chicken? No, no, you'll say no. You'll I say, do remember butter chicken. Yes, I do. I do. The actual I- sauce is quite nice. You get that with a bit of something tofu or, you know, plant-based product. <laughs> It'd be awesome. It would. It would. Look, uh, don't get me wrong. People eat meat because they like the taste of meat. And if we can find a product that is exactly the same, potentially tastes better and is cheaper and more nutritional, fantastic. I'll be the first one in line. And to be honest, that, that's, that, that's the conversation I've had with others is that essentially beef, chicken, pork, whatever, I guess the value or, or the um, efficiency of that and the taste has probably peaked. Uh, plant-based alternatives in terms of uh, to these products, they're only just beginning. So they are going to over, overtake these. And I, I saw just recently Israel, there's a factory that's set up to make 5,000 plant-based burgers every day. And I, I, look, I, I personally think, I've said this before, we'll, we'll probably all be eating plant-based whether we want to or not in the, in the not too distant future. So moving quickly on, because we can talk about vegan all day. The one before Corey was actually a guy called Shannon Mead uh, from No More Butts. So oh, yeah. I, I, I saw, I saw and listened to, I think, only half. He said it would be interesting. Oh, fascinating. Like s- simple things like, for example, did you know cigarette butts were plastic? Yes, I do. And by, by the way, shout out to everyone who doesn't smoke. I did not, I've not had a cigarette since December the 12th last year, which was wow. my 29th birthday. Wow. Jeremy, well done. That's impressive. He's flexing his muscles if, if the people who can't hear, uh, see at home, but uh, don't worry. You didn't miss out I on much. Half naked <laughs> if you can't see at home. <laughs> but yeah, fascinating chat. You know, like something like 8 billion cigarette butts get littered in Australia every year. And it's, it's like a big, pro- big little problem, but one we can actually really readily address. And so kudos to um, Shannon for coming on our show and talking about it. And well done on Shannon for all his work to date. Like, again, like we, what we try to do time and time again on this show is focus on, on the problems, but also the solutions. And, and it's one we can readily solve. Cigarette butt littering. It's, it's a big little problem, but it's one we can readily solve. The one, uh, before Shannon, and this is one we, we've spoken about trying to get on for about two years. You might remember seeing a National Geographic article about microplastic pollution from car tyres, saying something like at least 10% of microplastic pollution in our oceans is from car tyres. And there's a guy cited in that article called Peter Yarn Cole. Long story short, I reached out to him and he's like super keen to be on the podcast. And we had a great chat about it. He is a mature age student doing part-time study. He saw a racetrack one day, a Formula One racetrack, and saw the car tie debris on the side of the road and thought, I wonder where that all goes. And I wonder how much is actually produced worldwide. Long story short, a lot of it gets produced worldwide. And he reckons it's at least 10% of the microplastic pollution load entering our oceans. But a recent, more recent study indicates it's probably closer to 30%. Uh, and that's fascinating. So a lot of people know plastics are a big problem, microplastics are a big problem, but very few people make the connection around where it's coming from. And lo and behold, roads... Tire dust, in particular, are a major source. Yeah, but Brad, you say, lo and behold, great and, and lovely to have a chat, but you've known that, we've known that for a long time because you physically go out to the side of a motorway mm, of course. and you look and you see all this black crap mm. and it's not the sediment, it's fumes, it, it, it's it's tire degradation, just like that Formula One track. But, hey, shout out to the guy. So did you say he, he's a mature student? He's a mature age student. So he worked in, I think, some sort of industry beforehand and decided to go back to university after he, he you know, he's raised his kids, et cetera, and studying part-time and just picked this topic. 
And yeah, how cool is that? So inspiration to mature age students everywhere. Before that, probably one of our all-time favorite guests, you might remember Megan Grant, Guano Girl from University of Tasmania. She She's basically been spending her time on Lord Howe Island sorting through guano, so wow. bird poop. Sorry, I missed that chit chat. <laughs> and look, fantastic chat. Just highlighting the plight of the flesh footed sheer water and the, the, the plastic that unfortunately it's digesting. And that plastic is obviously coming from our, our oceans. So great chat. Uh, we love talking poo on this show. And so, but the guest before Megan, and this is something that we've been trying to get our head around for a long time. Uh, we had a guy called Dr. Jack Audy from the University of Tasmania, and he was basically trying to investigate the potential link between human health and microplastic contamination. So in previous episodes, we've had all these sort of scientists talk about the microplastics in in the air that we breathe and in the oceans, obviously, et cetera. But what Dr. Jack Audie is talking about is basically, okay, how does that impact on the health of humans? And that, for me, was a really fascinating chat. We've spoken about this before about, look, maybe people may not necessarily care about the uh, potential ecological impact of plastic pollution, but if if there is a, a human health link, that is cause of significant concern. And this is something that Jack's essentially investigating. Look, it's, it's early days in his research, but in his words, he's gravely concerned around the potential risk between microplastic contamination in our environment and human health. Wow. I mean- Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> it's been really nice to talk to you, mate. Everything's just been confirmed. And uh, <laughs> who's look, Again, look, but I guess it's early days in this research. This is the thing that we sort of talk about is that there's such a gap between developing this chemical or product like plastic done in the 50s or whatever and actually assessing whether it might be actually causing harm to the uh, human population. I mean, that's a 60, 70-year gap between developing a product and actually assessing whether it causes harm. That's not good enough. What would happen now if we developed a product? Would we have to get it tested to make sure it was safe? I'm sure. Well, well, you think so, but I'd suggest no. We're still seeing chemicals being produced, PFAS, PFAS. asbestos, and other sort of nasty chemicals that we know that, that, that have, I guess, at least potential for harm, but we don't really know. And look, there's chemicals being produced every day, but certainly the one that's sort of standing out from my mind is plastic. And it's used on such a mass scale. We know it's in our environment. We know it's in the air that we breathe, the water that we drink, the oceans. So it's in abundance and there's sort of a lot of evidence to indicate, or at least growing evidence to indicate that there is a a real significant link between that contamination and human health. And that for me is obviously a key driver for actually mitigating this problem as well. So, And look, it wasn't all scientists. We had Linton Mortensen, who's one of our all-time listeners. So shout out to listeners. So he's a Clark Kent a lawyer by day, but a superhero when he gets in the water. So I think by memory, his nickname is The Seabull. And he swam around Lord Howe Island, about 30k ocean water swim, oh, to raise good. money for the, our cool cats, the Drift Lab, and for raising awareness around the flesh-footed shearwater, um, which is obviously what Megan's been investigating. So great chat, superstar. Basically, he's listened to us 49,900. <laughs> Possibly. Something a bit out of left field before Linton was uh, a lady called Lucille Chapuis. And it was all about the impact of noise pollution on the uh, marine ecosystem. So particularly 
the big fauna. And that was fascinating. Like he never really thought about noise being a potential pollutant and causing harm to the marine environment, but it is a, it is a significant issue. How, how significant? We don't actually know. And it hasn't really got a huge amount of attention before, but certainly Lucille was sort of indicating that it is a significant issue. But it's one we can, again, it's one we can easily solve. There's just a few little things we need to do, or little things, significant changes we need to make in our marine environment around, I guess, drilling in, in marine environments and ship movements, et cetera, that can basically make life a lot easier for the uh, life underwater. Well, well, mate, you think about it. You're living in Brisbane. There's construction going on everywhere. You know, say I live in next door, build a big house, big party house. Every night you hear like bass, just like, you know, construction. <laughs> then I move in, stereo. You know, that would be pretty stressful. You imagine that for uh, all, all the beautiful mammals and animals yeah. that are around the world. I mean, wow. I mean, it, it yeah. is real thing. But you say that, and, and, and when, when you hear about it, you go, of course it's an issue, but how often do you really hear about it? Uh, and this is this is the thing about the, what we're tr- trying to do on this show, is actually basically try and give these scientists and individuals a more of a voice to talk about these issues that we might not have previously thought about it. So whilst we might have, for example, that, getting back to that microplastic pollution from car ties, whilst we might have thought about it, and we might have seen the National Geographic article, a lot of people didn't, wouldn't even considered it. And just to talk about the magnitudes around how much tyre dust is produced and where it goes, etc., it's it's quite staggering. Um, so, yeah, look, and again, it's a privilege to do what we do, talking to these interesting people, learning more. We always get such great ideas to support our sort of day-to-day activities. But the, look, the, the, the episode one of this season, which you've missed, is uh, a chat with Damien Latouf from Curtin University, I think it was, and he was, he was looking at basically snakes, snakes using, using snakes as a uh, bio-indicator of wetland pollution. So I'm not one for walking around long grass and trying to catch tiger snakes, but Damien is. And all, 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 all the best for him. <laughs> true, true, true story. I was at the bottom of South Africa and I was lucky enough to be in a helicopter going around Cape Horn. I can't even remember the bottom of, of, of Africa. It's Cape South Horn. Af- yeah. And we had to stop at the bottom of Africa and we needed a pit stop because we were on a bit of a tour. And we got out in the swamp area. I got out and did my business. And then I'm standing there with my mate. At the time, I was having a cigarette. And we're looking <laughs> back at the chopper. I'm like, gee, I've just had a... You know, was whatever at the bottom of, of Africa, and unbeknownst to to us, the pilots inside talking to the other people in, the, in this chopper, going, "Look at these two morons, these two Kiwis out there with no no footwear on." He goes, "Underneath them are literally thousands and thousands of snakes," and we're sitting out there <laughs> having the best time of our life, taking things <laughs> or whatever. Ugh, snakes and wetlands. I mean, yeah. what, a, what a what a research pro- uh, project. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. One of the things that I remember him saying, because he's from Sydney, I think from Western Sydney, and he couldn't get any university in New South Wales to take him on because they didn't want the risk of him getting bitten. Uh, it was only this university in WA that uh willing to take him on. So, wow. yeah, interesting. Yeah, but look, that's a very quick summary of, of what you missed out on today, Jeremy. So, mate, well, um, mate, it sounds like you've had an amazing chat with some amazing people. What are, some of the, what are some of the things that you've learned over the last sort of six months? I mean, not talking specifically about the, the podcast guests, but how are you, Brad, is, is, is pretty much what I'm asking. <laughs> I'm very well, actually. Yeah, so uh, life is more or less, the apart from being in lockdown, it's I, I'm still living the dream and keeping it real, Jeremy, as I like to say, but uh, I'm very yeah. well. You know, you, you, as, a, as, a, as a plant-based person, you, you don't age, clearly, so my hair is as long as uh, you probably remember, might even be a bit longer. It's going well. 
See, I love it. He just dodges the personal question. All <laughs> well, mate, I'm extremely excited about being back, and and sorry for for the hiatus. I'm sure our oh. listeners will be happy with a bit of a break from me, but I am back, so um, I can't wait to to reconnect with our listeners and, and look forward to speaking to amazing people. It is, you know, I'll say it again. It's truly a privilege to do what we do. We love it. We have such a good time and we get to learn so much and, and hopefully other people do. So for our 100th episode, Brad, I'm extremely proud of what you've done, mate. Um, I, oh, you know, we should, without- I should be. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I, I'm certainly proud, but you should be too, Jeremy. Like, you, you know, I, I think uh, I can't remember. I might have pitched this idea of a podcast, but you were the one that, that said, yeah, let's do it. Probably to my surprise. It is an unusual thing for an engineer and a, and a director of a company to co-host a podcast, let's face it. And we're pretty much the only podcast that talks about stormwater. And I guess the sort of some of the subjects we talk about. So, like, I think from that regard, it's been really positive. It's a very unusual niche. We think it's an, an important issue uh, to talk about. And I honestly think this is much needed conversation that I, I think does actually add a lot of value to what we're trying to achieve to better protect our oceans. Totally agree. But just on this, we, we talk a lot about problems or, or, or solutions, you know, with mm. guests. How is stormwater going in Australia, Brad? I mean, I, I've been living in, in New Zealand for a while. You know, what's the state of play with stormwater in Australia? Give us your one-liners. Elevator pitch it. Land-based sources are still the number one source of ocean plastic. We do still know that urban stormwater is the leading cause of ecological degradation in waterways. So stormwater is still a massive issue. There's a growing awareness around how it, how important it is around as, as an, as an issue, but I still maintain not enough is being done to actually appropriately manage that and prevent the impacts that stormwater can cause. Look, I, I get frustrated in that I'm a guy that sort of is all or nothing. And if I see a problem, I want to solve it. I think change sometimes, at least in this space, has been slow. Uh, having said that, we are still seeing snippets of hope. So one thing we've, for example, one thing we've talked about for a long time is the importance of maintaining existing stormwater treatment assets. And there's been one council in Australia, shout out to Blacktown City Council in, in the western suburbs of Sydney, that has actually leading the way in this regard. They're basically starting a program to enforce the, the appropriate maintenance of stormwater treatment assets on privately owned sites, but also doing a much better job of actually maintaining their infrastructure. And a lot of councils in Australia look to Blacktown City Council for leadership in this space. So again, with with the council like that sort of leading the way in, in terms of appropriate asset management, that's a real positive. And, and I, I actually think a big reason for that change is the conversation that we've been trying to drive for a long time. You know, we we, we get it, we put ourselves out there, we go on podcasts, you put yourself in the, the news outlets, et cetera. And we, we hammer home the message around the importance of ma- managing existing infrastructure to essentially remove that pollution that does accumulate in these assets. And that message is being heard and change is happening as a result. Does that happen quick enough in my mind? No, uh, but it still is happening. So that's a real positive. And, and a big shout out to the people involved. They know who they are. I don't need to name them within Blacktown. They want it to happen now too, guys. So everyone, big shout out to people within local government. You know, the, the work they do with the resources, often limited resources, is just amazing. So so Blacktown, what they're doing, not just in that space, but in a whole lot of different space. They're even going back and, and looking at, you know, what are we actually doing currently and is that best practice moving forward? Now, shout out to Blacktown on a whole lot of different levels. Um, now, just on that though, I, I will do a little bit of a, a shout out here. I'm a the Vice President of Stormwater New South Wales and we have gone out and, and about – six months ago, thought we, we really need to start having a, a non-bullshit conversation. So 
I wasn't allowed to, to call the conference a non-bullshit conference. So we ended up on a frank. We want to have a frank conversation. So later on this year, we'll get the details. I think it's in November. We are, we're, we're doing a, a conference within Sydney. Now, look, I'm not sure if it's going to be virtual, half virtual, you know, completely face-to-face with what's going on right now. But what we are trying to achieve is pulling people together, not for a normal conference where you go there and have your cheese and biscuits and you hear the same thing from the same person who, who went last year. We're trying to pull people together and have a, a, a frank conversation. Too many times we've all been to conferences and, and, and you hear the same thing year in, year out. It's a non-filter conference. So if any of our listeners are interested in, in putting you know a presentation, Brad will pop up the link at the bottom uh, of the show notes. Please come and have a chat. It's a different format. It's it's just it's really cool. It's way different to every sort of conference I've been to. It's quite traditional. Stormont in New South Wales and Stormont in Queensland uh, are basically running this, which I'm you know very proud of. And we're we're really putting our sleeves up to try and have a different conference to bring people together for a no bullshit chat and really rip the bandaid off and, and start getting some real conversations. So, Brad. Yeah, and, and look, I'll, I'll, let, like, I'll include a link to that on the show notes, but, yeah, it's in Sydney on November 8th and 9th. But one of the things that I I like about it, and it's consistent with what we've been trying to do over the last couple of years, is basically as an industry, the stormwater industry, we've generally been talking to ourselves. It doesn't work. We've, we need to basically get out there in the community to other stakeholders and basically tell our story about how, how it is important to actually stop pollution at the source, provide better stormwater treatment, install infrastructure, manage these assets properly, et cetera. But previously, we haven't done that. And I think reaching out, whether it's a conference setting or whatever, to a wider audience is a great thing. And to be honest, we're, and this is something me and you have done over the last two and a half years. We've gone to so many different sort of, I guess, uh, mediums, groups, stakeholders, talk to all different sorts of people telling our story. And I, I actually have seen change as a result of that. So, you asked my take on the stormwater industry. The key thing I'd say is that actually the stormwater industry has actually expanded to sort of be more, I guess, collaborative with other groups. Classic examples today was the Australian Marine Science Association conference when there was a, a lot of talk about stormwater, you know, microplastic pollution, where is it coming from, stormwater uh, infrastructure, a, a major source, et cetera. Previously, you've gone to plastic conferences or seminars and no one even mentioned stormwater. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have been at that conference, Brad, a mm. few years Ocean uh, exactly. Yeah. We, we, we were called Stormwater 360. We would have gone to the same conference, spent our marketing or, or you know dollar on doing that, talking to ourselves, exactly what you said. Mm. We wouldn't have been in that conversation to hear that. So, no, I'm, I'm really stoked that you brought that up because mm. that is what it's about. Stormwater is so unique. It, it passes political boundaries, physical boundaries. You know, you've got three steps of government only within Australia that – you know, they, oh, whose responsibility is this? You know, it, it is the veins of planet ocean, as, as mm-hmm. someone would say. When we, you know, flush the toilet, we, that's exactly what we're doing. It's stormwater. We don't care about it. It washes our cities clean and it goes out into planet ocean. And, and it's something that, that everyone can understand if we bring it to the table. I've been meditating now for um, seven months, twice a day. It's incredible to hear you say that. You, yeah. Let's, let's yeah. hear that again. Jeremy Brown is meditating every day, twice a day, and he's done it for seven minutes months. In the morning, 20 minutes in the night. No, this is not a meditation podcast, but could be. <laughs> the, the, the biggest thing, you know, people think about meditation and so I'm just relaxing and doing nothing the whole time. That marketing didn't really work for me. 
someone came to me and said, hey, you can work faster, better, do more things, you know, live more of an amazing life, pitch that to me, I would have gone, yeah, sign me up. But uh, there's a bit of stigmatism around that. But long story short, I thought about this morning in my meditation, Planet Ocean, no one's actually governing Planet Ocean. This is an out there comment, but this is an out there podcast. Why are we not setting up a Planet Ocean government? Why are we not holding people, you know, setting a council, setting a government that are responsible for this to hold people for fisheries, or overfishing, for, you know, pollution, for every type of environmental damage or oil spills? Why is there not a Planet Ocean government set up? And, you know, I'd love to throw it out to our listeners and you, Brad. I mean, what do you think about that? Because at the moment, it's all international waters, so we can't do yeah. that. It's, it's fucking bullshit. There was a great book I recently read called, uh, and I think our previous guest, uh, Graham Lloyd, put me onto it. It's a book called Outlaw Ocean by Ian Urbiner, and it talks basically about how the the ocean is essentially the Wild West. It's sort of like no laws, so much illegal fishing, so much of a slave trade on the ocean. And there's all these sort of areas that basically just don't come under any sort of jurisdiction. So it's a fascinating read. But I agree. Like I think that previously it's probably just because we're land-dwelling animals. It's probably just been had this big air of mystery around it and it's sort of so big no one really controls it. So let's just uh, leave it's it be. Great. And I guess – sorry, cut me off, but it got me thinking because every country – controls the water within their country around them. Mm. Like New Zealand's got their space. Australia's got their space. You know, island countries like we are. I'm surely, you know, land-based countries don't have that. But, you know, it really caught my mind this morning going, well, really, if you've got heaps of pollution, I mean, we, we see it in Australia, you know, talking about stormwater. If it comes off a local government area and then goes down into a state government area and then falls out into the harbour and then goes 200 kilometres beyond that, it's no one's problem. You know, everyone's because stormwater just keeps flowing. But then who's going to take responsibility for that along the chain? And, and you know, I, I really think we should try and talk to someone smarter than us about why is there no international responsibility? All of us, Virgin, you know, are pumping a million dollars or millions of dollars into ocean research and ocean mm-hmm. entrepreneurial research, ocean impact organisation, Tim Silverwood, getting startups involved. You've got all these people involved to try and help the ocean well, I think we're going to run into trouble if we don't have someone or, or, or an entity trying to govern it. So, hey, mate, I may be out there. What do you think? Well, it sounds like we've still got plenty to talk about on this podcast, uh, and we're all about identifying solutions on this and, and talking to the people who, who are in the know. I don't have the answers. Maybe you don't, but let's see if we can get someone on the show to talk about it. So, But moving forward, we probably should land this plane. What's, what's the next sort of three to four to six months look like? What's happening? What's happening, mate? What's the plan? Um, well, look, obviously still um, very heavily involved with Ocean Protect, but not on sort of day-to-day level. Um, I hate to say that, Brad, you know, I don't get to talk to you too much. Still spending a lot of time with Stormwater New South Wales and Frank.Sydney. You know, most of all, I'm spending precious time with my my dear Candy. My mum is uh, extremely important to me. I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for her. So each day I wake up and make, make her a cup of tea, I'm, I'm, I'm a happy man. On the other side, there's no snow in Wanaka uh, at the moment. I went and bought some skis uh, off a friend of mine, which is always exciting. Waiting for a bit of snow. Uh, I've got a man bod, or sorry, dad bod, um, <laughs> because I broke my leg. I went in, I went, right, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get fit. I'm going to do everything. And I, you know, six o'clock in the morning, went down. I'm like, I'm going to do 50 press ups. And I got into like maybe my fifth or sixth. And I think I popped my shoulder. Oh, jeez. 
So uh, there's a bit of fitness to get uh, get into, but mate, I'm I'm purely focused on on Candy Ocean Protect, storming in New South Wales, and getting this Frank Conference cranking to be everything it can be. So. I can't wait for uh, the next six months, see who we're going to talk to. I mean, obviously, you know, your guests are going to, you know, want to come on the show a bit more quickly now that I'm back. Well, one, one thing we should say, if, if people have uh, particular people who, who really should be on the show, uh, they've got suggestions for guests, et cetera, drop us a line. And one thing we never do, we're really bad at this, is actually asking people to sort of share and subscribe to the show, uh, share it with your mates, uh, give us a, what is it, a rating on iTunes or Spotify. Apparently that helps somehow in the algorithm of the, the Ethernet, whatever. People, but, uh, people will not rate us. I mean, I'm sure some people would go and give us crap comments. I can tell you right now, we've had about 35 comments all 35 up. Comments. Yeah, yeah. And they're all very positive. We've had a couple of people that give us like zero stars, which is great. I think I think it's our competitors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. In the podcast space. No yeah, 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 the podcast space. Yeah, 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 yeah. But look, if people uh, do have suggestions for guests, drop us a line. Just head to, I'll, I'll include a link on the show notes, but just oceanprotect.com.au and just drop us a line. If you want to give us a rating or share the show or subscribe, please do so. Well, don't give but, us a share rating. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't give, <laughs> but give us a rating if it's good. But no, no, you know, it is really important. We want to share this message. We want to reach more people. So, yeah, do that internet stuff and algorithm it and, you know, rate and, you know, it would be great. Please. But boom, boom, shake the road. Jeremy, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on the show. Uh, Mate, look forward well, to our next well, show. it's nice to come back to my show because I co-host <laughs> it. So uh, m- maybe next time we can get the rerun because uh, when we first started it today, Brad, I couldn't hear Brad, so Brad was doing this big, long intro uh, and I couldn't hear him. It was the perfect podcast. I mean, I could talk. <laughs> No, I, I deleted that recording deliberately. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. Brad, mate, good to see you too, mate. Pleased to say that your fashion sense is, is, is obviously improved. <laughs> it, no, it hasn't, Brad. <laughs> I think I'm wearing the same jumper I wore last time. Who gave you that 15 years ago? <laughs> anyway, with that, hey, uh, to all our listeners, hey, can't wait to, to reconnect. Brad, thanks for holding the fort. Nice to come back to co-hosting and look forward to our next chat. Boom, boom. Shake the world. Thanks for listening to the Ocean Protect podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.